Welcome to the Kazoo Poetry Slamcast. My name is Tracy Smith. This is an archival podcast, which means it was recorded a long fucking time ago. This week's feature is the immensely talented Mr. Scott Woods from Columbus, Ohio. And when I say this dude is immensely talented, I mean, I mean, I'm not fucking around. He's a poet, a journalist, a novelist, a musician. Cat does it all extremely well. He's the smartest guy in the room. Well, he's the smartest guy in any room that I've ever been in. This episode's split into two parts. You'll hear some open mic and then part of Scott's feature set. And then next week, we'll finish up his set and a little bit more open mic at the end of that show. Hope you have fun listening to this one. I know I did. This is Slam Poem. Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never crossed into the I am the spinner. I am the poet. I am the Industrial revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the face of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. Y'all aren't awake. <laughs> like, I've been up since 6 o'clock this morning, and y'all ain't awake. So if you have to go buy beer or something, buy beer, drink it, okay? I don't have a title for this one yet. I listen for an old Neil Diamond tune on the radio. It's a remnant from a distant childhood someone told me about once. I think it was maybe think that maybe it was the birthday that unearthed this little girl face staring up at me from the pages of a story that someone told me once because it's not my blood falling quickly, quietly splashing the black ink of a poem. I'm not writing to tell you anything about the doll I loved when I was a child. She was in an attic among the dust and cobwebs, among the shiny porcelain dolls I had my choice of on my eighth birthday. Dressed in rags, dirty from the forgotten years, hidden in the corner of a muddy, musty wood room, but she shone like the sun off of a sand dune on the first truly warm day in June, and I think that maybe she chose me. I named her Messy Heron, cradled, cradled her all the way through the laughter of the relatives who couldn't see the beauty of this ragtag team, and I think it was maybe, think that maybe it was the birthday that made her pull my baby pictures out of an old box that hasn't been opened in 10 years, four states, seven cities, and she asks about rings and children as her mother hands me some extra food. Just in case you didn't notice, I'm not the one you should be talking to about these things. But at least the conversation doesn't revolve around homecoming anymore. I'm 25. I'm a big girl now. I'm measuring my life by things I haven't accomplished. I was supposed to be somewhere else. And I think that maybe it's the birthday talking because I was telling you about a Neil Diamond tune from the first movie I ever saw. And I ran around for weeks chanting E.T. phone home and turn on your heart light so I can see you're still there. And I think that maybe I'm getting carried away now. But it's not my fault. I really did fall on my head once, smack down face first on the cement trying to learn to jump rope and just don't look, she said, just don't look down and see the flame shooting out of the back of my truck, just don't look and see that E.T. died in the clenched jaw of Hannibal Lecter and Steven Spielberg is suing for the copyrights, he thinks my soul is for sale because I just realized the same company that makes my cigarettes makes the macaroni and cheese I grew up on, just don't look and see the scars from stepping on a wasp nest or trying to to jump the moon. At eight, I learned that Santa Claus wasn't real and the moon drifted farther away. 
I'll just scramble up my redwood for a better view because tonight the moon is full and hanging low and it looks like it's burning to touch the treetops I used to love to climb. And I think that maybe it was the birthday that made me remember, the birthday that made me want to try it again because this isn't a sad childhood I'm telling you about. These aren't my memories. It's just a story someone told me once. All right, and then this one. I forget what I named this one. It had a title some time ago. Sometimes you have to get out of the bathtub and face your muse. You see, I've been wondering for days how I got here. I feel like an eight-track tape stuck in a loop, and I feel the earth move like an eight-track tape stuck in a loop, and I feel the earth move under my feet, and I'm living in perpetual motion, but it's another deja vu day with customers and saints. There are worries, flat tires, and cigarette fires. There's sexual harassment at the gas station. He's a real smooth talker drunk at 3 a.m., and me wasting my best memories on technicolor daydreams. These days are slipping out of my grasp, but I remember a five-year-old child with a rainbow smile, and I wonder when I lost my faith. I still want to be clapping my hands for Tinkerbell. She'd fly again, leaving pixie trails across my prayers. I want to see my parents with wide-eyed innocence, believing the world is good and kind, but they say that three elderly people were beaten to death 20 minutes from where I live. And now their white picket is crisscrossed by yellow tape, abandoned. They say there's another war that doesn't concern me. But there's another child dying and another mother crying and another siren wailing in the distance to remind me of my mortality. I feel the will to fight for my dreams diminishing just a little bit more every day. But what if the tapestry fell tomorrow and fractions of my life flipped before my eyes like a whipping wind dripping the pages? What would I remember? When I kissed my first boyfriend in the peach satin dress my mom made, or when I played Mary in the Christmas musical, will I remember standing outside Graceland disbelieving we'd made it, or the beautiful red-headed boy who made me a spatula out of a Budweiser can? I hope I recall when we were all together wrapped in green velvet starshine, singing Bob Dylan and floating in the ripple of our own fantasy. I want to believe that these moments are real truth because a minute moves quicker and snowballs faster, taking hours into days away from fingertips. And amidst all this, there are revolutions and insurrections while I'm just seeking redemption because one day you wake up and realize that all we have is each other. A little bit nervous, so bear with me. Okay, I wrote this. I was trying to write a poem, and I kept thinking about how words are very futile. So this is a poem entitled, The Futility of Words. Roses are red, violets are blue. Why do we repeat this to be true? Violets are violet, roses are rose. A generic color on these beauties I won't impose. I'll leave that to those who need common ground. For things with such beauty, there's more to be found. Roses are red, violets are blue. How cold is this statement, let me ask you. Give him a number, call her a name. A point of reference is the name of this game. Such little words for things so great, I think there is more to appreciate. A word called love, a word called hate, four letters for feeling seems inadequate. But, but let's, over, uh, let's organize and finalize and overanalyze 
to convert emotion to words which I despise. But unfortunately, I must admit, to words these emotions we must commit. Only, I only wish feelings could be more clearly expressed than in searching for a word that seems to fit best. Maybe that's what heaven will be, where words are gone and emotion runs free. This first one is called Grand Central. New Haven is easy by way of comparison. Uncrowded, quickly navigated, and reasoned out. Even the tunnels make linear sense. Feel this in the bones of your lower back, riding with Sunday train shivers, sitting backwards to catch awful railway alleys in blurring parallax graffiti rewind to smell the dead, dried paint. Come to speed with no headrest. Hold it in fat American thighs. Flex the neck till strain kisses the brainstem. Motion sickness boards an empty stomach, asks politely if this seat is taken. A mother's cry at Bridgeport rises above the brakes and the Ritalin. An exercise in reduction, banging and brutal against the doors about to open on her next burning issue. Focus past the reflection of a girl with corrupt red hair, past the sweeps of line and form, cringing with scale to backyards with January swing sets, ghosting the talent of children in motion rising above the commerce. Red will never stop talking, even when her battery dies, but she's pretty, maybe, in the window when she says everyone's got to be somewhere. When she leaves at Stamford, you don't see her face, only pink heels and Playboy bunnies on ass pockets, underdressed for dinner. And if the man you can't hear cares, he can go fuck himself, thanks for asking. Listen to the rattle of 20th century romance, bowing forward against pages tucked in your lap, the bound story, always less inviting than the unfolding one, passing south of the tracks, uncircumscribed. Curl up under the seat against urban souls, half asleep in the strum, Dreaming prayers of motion bottled tightly in bitten cheeks, spitting bursts of measured rhythm, born in the pressure of steel on steel. Thank you. This one is called Cast Away. Thought I left you home this time to shore up my indiscretion. Thought I'd swim latitudes with one arm tied and find you anchored to the wreck. But here near the equator, my horizon is a curve too small to sink you. Under here is the submerged year when you crawled my lips till I woke and you stung my eyes so I wrung them out as you warmed my blood till I sang with fever. I dreamt of patience and its antiseptic disposition, the calculus of half-lives. 
How many months from Genoa, where I carried you on the tip of my cigarette and sipped you like cork in my wine? Just enough moment to fill one window seat or the space between a daughter and her father or the white sheets I named Shaniqua in your honor. Today, the light did not reflect. Today, I burnt myself so black, the Jamaican bar girl held my forehead and the small of my back and prayed for absolution. Today, you were the last drowning freckle on my lost rib. Tomorrow, I'll return, and you'll ask me why we persist in reinventing what was just fine in the first place. And I will smile the curve of the moon and introduce myself. Kicks ass. I love that guy. Um, in case somebody like really likes my stuff, I have chat books for sale. You can find me afterwards. It's called Guns, Moonshine, and Poetry. That was my plug. All right. Got a new one. It's called Survival of the Dumbest. And you asked me what I was laughing at just now. I was thinking of Joe. See, he always told me he couldn't wink. Told every woman who ever mentioned the word wink that he couldn't do it. See, just stare into my eyes. See, told you I couldn't wink. Driving in his car some weeks later, I look over and say, I still don't believe you can't wink. He looks to me and says, what kind of asshole can't wink? Dude, it's all about getting the ladies to look into these blue eyes. God, we laughed for like 15 miles. So many stupid thrills achieved because of aimless boredom. We rode nights in an 89 Cavalier stealing crossing signs and forgetting about consequence. We hid out in my basement making pina coladas in a blender snuffed by a down pillow so my parents wouldn't hear it. We shot paintballs straight up in the air for the sole purpose to try to hit ourselves. It's like delayed temporary suicide. We had catchphrases like giddy up and punch it chewy. We invented beef night and later expanded it into the fat ass salon. It was an all-day event. Best of seven pool, best of three bowling, best of nine golf. We called these the three fat men sports. We mooned. We scammed. We told jokes nobody else got. Wanted to get, really. We just thought people who didn't understand must not have grown up in a small town. Must have had more to do on a Saturday night. We drank treat beer and smoked unfiltered cigarettes. We were the sons of kings and paupers. We took road trips, four days worth of clothes, a hundred bucks a piece, two cartons of smokes, and a bottle of Jack D to hide under the seat. The trip gets a theme before we even have a destination. We'll call it Lung Cancer Weekend. Smoke by the mile markers on the highway. How many days to Myrtle Beach? We can do that. We invented the stupid scale. It was a guide to judge how dumb our actions were. It had no numbers, no guides. You just asked, where does that fit between other dumb escapades? Well, it wasn't as dumb as stealing the no shoplifting sign from the buckle, but it's not quite as bad as pranking our ex-girlfriends. And when his girlfriends would have their period, we get a cheap bottle of wine to celebrate. No kids this month. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Things change, of course. We're supposed to be men now. 
no more fooling around, as Dad would say. Time to act your age. Time to find a nice girl with a good family. Time to spop, stop spending so much money in the bar. Time to quit smoking, wear your seatbelt, and get some exercise. I bought a four-door car. Dad likes it. I picked it out myself, and I keep it clean. I own stemware and a coffee maker. I have a wind chime and paintings of ducks. My ex-girlfriend told me they were kitsch. I have crystal ashtrays that replace the ones that Joe and I stole from the bowling alley. And I have imported beer in the fridge and a $40 bottle of wine in the rack. I have stuff. I do collections for a living and Joe works in a bank. We've got bills to pay and the facade of a respectable life to manage. I'm working on my poetry. He's working on his album. So many things in life aren't funny anymore. But at least I have his laugh track in the back of my memory. And if I ever need a good story, will I just wink, smile, and think of Joe? Had many different versions of, but I think I finally decided to go back to the original. Your mama wears nude hosiery. 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 Your mama got a permanent hairdo. 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 Well, that's what I think about you. That's what I think about you. That's what I think about. And your mama Your mama wears natural makeup. 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 
Well, that's what I think about you. 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 You and your mama. Great big ice cream sundae from outer space was in a place prepared for me. Great big ice cream sundae from outer space. I stuffed my face because it was free. And when I was finished, it's Size was not diminished. The great big ice cream sundae from outer space was in a place prepared for me. Sunday from out of space was in a place prepared for me. A cop shot me in the head. No, I ain't lying. Shot me in the head. And you were crying. You told me that his gun was very small. A cop shot me in the head. Shot me in the head. In the place. Where everything's the same Like on TV The place Where everything's the same Oh, we laughed and did drugs with their kids
cop shot me in the head But I kept talking You were amazed That I kept talking You told me that his gun was very small A cop shot me in the head 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 Thank you. Wears, she knows nothing of poetry. Yet when the talk turns to last lines, she asserts that they must make musical sense, that you have to know you've come home. For a moment, she is so sure of herself, and I dive into the topic with vigor, eager to reassure her that her reasoning is sound, before doubt at feeling out of her depths plucks at the tail of her thought like the unseen question mark that robs so many poets of their declarative power. She is my sister, older by several years, and I've pulled her from her world of a two-doctor family and preschool twins for a two-day road trip in her shiny new Oldsmobile to the shabby darkness of an Ohio jazz club to watch me perform my first published poem. She feels underdressed and out of place in this word-strewn realm where the night begins half past when she collapses into bed, but she was the first to her feet as I ease triumphant off the light-hot stage, clutching me to her so tightly I could feel the pride oozing into my skin. Now, despite her penchant for cabs, we're striding the deserted city streets, lit only by flickering streetlights and the animated glow of her growing fascination with the life-giving words that I am enslaved to, and for once, I am the wiser sibling. We're stopped staring at the incongruity of the austere beauty of a 19th century church sprouting up from the city block, and she declares that if she could come back as anything, it would be an architect stamping her soul into edifices, stretching themselves for the sky. It's not the first revelation of the trip. We've been exchanging little slivers of ourselves, like kids with marbles or collector's cards, the harrowing root of my claustrophobia, trapped, heart-hammering in a locker at age 10, for the desolate stretch of nameless New Mexico highway, where she goes in her mind to listen to the wind, all tucked in carefully among long-lost inside jokes and singing along loudly to Aretha Franklin. It's been a decade since we've had 48 hours to spend on no one but each other, and we've been busy finding each other once again. We hit the hotel lobby hours past the point at which her carriage turns back into a pumpkin, but it's her pace that lags as we head for the elevator, her glance straying over her shoulder to the bar, littered with a handful of businessmen and the other scraps of a late Tuesday night, and she asks if she can buy me a drink. Because neither of us is willing to put to bed the discoveries of the day, even though neither of us is willing to say as much. And I know we've at last come home. Let's see. As Carrie mentioned, I got pulled over coming here. And uh, I'm going to start off with a poem that I probably wouldn't normally start off with, uh, just to kind of get it all out. 
but I promise it's not a black man got pulled over by the police poem. All right. All right. I'm as tired of those as you are. All right. I'm going to move this over a little. That's cool. This, uh, this first piece is for all the poets. It's called Throat Box. I swallowed all of my pens and put journals next to my neck like electric crypt throat boxes and waited for my muse to show up, chomping on her cigar, straightening her weave, pulling down a too short miniskirt like she cares, and tapping me on the head with her magic Chico stick and cursing me with the gift of noticing things other people take for granted. And on that journey, I found some semblance of strength, but not right. I found my inner child getting his ass whooped by my conscience, and my conscience turned to me with my mama's belt in its hand, warning me not to write the foul shit. It's fine for Super Bowl conversation, which is pure, but was forbidden for such as I for the page. But I would not listen to it, and I told it. Motherfucker, I catch bullets in my teeth from traffic cops and blow gunpowder bubbles. I am Michael Jackson's missing glove with sequins dotting my ass ever so gently. My tongue is a thong. You are angel shit, except angels don't have assholes, so you're just backed up angel shit, no asshole. Holy shit, Batman. You are Gabriel's eternal constipation. You are Azriel's non-existent toilet dung. You are very determined dick spillage that non-oxyl-9 could not, would not rid the world of persistence. Bastard. I am a professional lesbian. I score sex thumbs up, thumbs down. I use them little throat boxes and I speak just fine. My conscience berates me, screams blasphemy. What about the children? Role model, black power, art with a capital A. So I responded, you don't want a love poem. You want a lust poem. You want a fuck poem. You want a wet microphone and a streak in your chair. You don't want a haiku soliloquy. You want a boning theme. You want a memorized thing. Fuck it, it ain't there. You don't want art. You want high school all over again. You want the fashion show. You want the contest. You want to be captain of the poetry team. You want to be a cheerleader instead of one of those thick drill team powder puff second string chess club girls. I score sex, and I'm looking at your skinny ass girl and thinking 3.5. On the inside, deep, I'm an asshole, and I release shit from time to time. And just when I think I've got it beat, my truth ringing through and taking mad deep breaths in this space. My conscience laughs and laughs and laughs all in my grill. And it removes its face, a mask, and I can see it for what it is. And I said to it, you are not conscience, you are ego. You are not character, you are evil. You are not love, you are deceit. You are not heart, you are art. You are not faith, you are rape. You are not truth, you are not truth. And while you are a part of me, and while I have to admit that much about myself, and while it winkens and strengthens me at the same time to admit it, I don't fucking work for you. I work for poetry. Thanks. All right, now that that's out the way, uh, Let's have some fun. This one is called I Nightmare. The other day, I stepped into an elevator with an old white woman, 
And she smiled at me and asked, what floor are you going to? The other day, I walked into a clothing store at the mall, and no one followed me around to see if I needed help. Just yesterday, I got pulled over for actually speeding. Oh, I know what the problem is. White people aren't scared of brothers anymore, but it's our own fault. It's the BET, it's the UPN, it's the WB, it's all of the hip hop. The media has made being black not so bad. The media has shown the world we're not really that scary. The media has revealed our dancing, smiling, cartoon underbellies, and now, now I can't even get a decent scare out of people on the street anymore. Hip-hop has made us too cool and given away too many secrets. We smiled at all the wrong times, didn't stay far enough ahead of the fashion curve, hosted too many MTV shows, beaming our scariest, most nightmarish selves into every television on the planet for a dollar. The other day, I went to Denny's and got service with a smile. A politician called us black instead of African-American. The paper reported simply, man robs bank and the robber was black. Oh, you can still find the random thug now and then. Old dirty bastard will carry the torch to his grave. But I needed the mystery. Brothers like me needed that. We needed the quiet fear of our skin. What, am I supposed to work for promotion? I am non-confrontational by nature, but with the fear of my skin, oh, doors would open. Well, jail cell doors and courtroom doors and police car doors, but beyond that, this world does not respect sensitivity and individuality only so long as it still falls in certain categories. But I, I have cracked the code. I have broken the chain. I have shucked a lump of coal into the engine of the new Underground Railroad. And you know what the destination is? NPR. <laughs> I listen to national public radio. I watch the BBC. I read Bill Bryson. I tape Meet the Press. I only watch movies with subtitles in them. I own Barry Manilow on vinyl. Because making gangbanger mad faces doesn't work anymore. Baggy pants and Air Jordan simply brand the fellow consumer. They translate slang as fast as we create it. They teach you Ebonics. If you want to keep it real, go get a set of golf clubs. Tiger Woods has shown us the way. Because mad faces don't work anymore. Now you have to stand against the wall at the nightclub staring at things with a small smile playing at the corner of your lips, looking pensive, like big words could fall out of your mouth at any time. <laughs> Sometimes I just walk into a store and shout, subsistence, and watch as in-store security trips over themselves to assist me. I don't even know what that means, because that's what's scary now. Willie Horton is passe. Gangster rap is a cartoon. Dreadlocks only work if you sound like you're from somewhere else. But intelligence, wearing intelligence, is the scariest thing I can do. Ooh.
the counter money. <laughs> Demo Don't correct me. What is it? Of course, Your Majesty. I've come on the most urgent of business. It yes. is said that the people are revolting. You said it. They stink on ice. 